you can always get better. You can always improve, but don't let the overwhelming idea of so much data stop you from even starting. You're listening to Toolbox of the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades. Learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Hello, contractors, and welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades, the show where we share the top tricks, tips, and tactics from service professionals worldwide. Today, I'm speaking with Tyson Freeman data nerd and head of contractor advisory services at Service Titan. Before joining Service Titan, Tyson helped contractors improve their business with data and reporting. Nowadays, he does that same thing, but on a much larger scale. On this episode, Tyson demystifies core data concepts for everyday contractors. I hope you find our talk as enlightening as I did. Tyson Freeman, you are the head of contractor advisory services here at Service Titan. Today, we are going to be talking about how we can demystify data for contractors, which is more or less your expertise. Not to put too much pressure on you, but I'm so excited for you joining me today on Toolbox for the Trades. Thank you, Jackie, so much for having me. Glad to be here. All right, we're going to start this podcast the way we do every single one, which is how did you get into the trades? Yeah, great question. Uh, Fun one to think about, too. It was for me, right after high school, I got involved with a company that did, uh, it was a utility rebate program company. I did some refrigerant balancing and some duct leakage testing. And and at that time, I had no idea what I was doing. I, I kind of feel bad for those units I was working on in hindsight, knowing what I know now. After college, I got a job with an insurance company doing telemarketing. And I was calling on contractors to sell them insurance. And one of the contractors I called was Lee Zare in Fresno and tried to get Tom Howard to buy some insurance. And I couldn't sell him insurance, but the short version is I sold him my soul and started to work for him. So <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> so for those who are not fully ingrained into service titan folklore, into Tom Howard folklore, he's our VP of customer success here at Service Titan. He was a customer before joining. And you and Tom, when I first got introduced to him, kind of were like a package deal. You were like his right, right-hand man. You were his, uh, I, w- I don't want to say sidekicks, so to speak, because I think you have, you're at the same level of him and you both have very distinguished, like very different skill sets. I had no idea that's how you met him. That is actually hilarious. And also, man, telemarketing. What a job right after college, right? <laughs> There's a lot more to that story, so we can, we'll can we table that for another time, but yeah, <laughs> that's how I got in the trades. Some, something for someone to ask you next time they meet you. All right, perfect. So how did you first get started with helping other folks in the trades? Because your title right now is Head of Contractor Advisory Services at Service Titan. So you know your role is to advise our contractors that use Service Titan, how to use it in the most effective, cost-efficient way. How did you first get involved with, hey, I want to help contractors? Uh, not just be one. Yeah, great question. And and it, that question causes me to think back on my journey, our journey at, at Lee's Air. And we loved going to user conferences and, and just different conventions and trade shows to learn from other contractors that have done it better, faster, newer than we had. And so we got a, a ton of value from doing that. And, and as those conversations progress, we we come up with ideas too. We share those and we start visiting other shops and other shops start visiting us. And 
after a couple of years of doing that, it got to the point where people were actually paying us to come out to their offices and offer these services and look at their business from a, a third party perspective. And so that led us to starting Blue Collar Profits, uh, where we did that full time and would, would travel around the country talking to different contractors and helping them implement technology, looking at lean management. And yeah, that was we did that for a number of years and, and loved just the giving back what I had gotten from others in the trades. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember when you guys were doing Blue Collar Profits, and I feel like you were one of the first consulting companies I found in the trades that were really helping other contractors utilize the most out of what was out there, help them implement best practices, which is all what this podcast is about. So it makes sense that you are a guest today. So tell me about how that role translated to where you are now, which is as Service Titan's head of contractor advisory services. Sure. Yeah. Previous to my current role, I, I was overseeing our customer success department. And I love that we can, in this role, I was able to see so many contractors. I mean, the thousands of contractors that Service Titan has, and I could I could see their business improving, and I could see the processes, and I could see the areas they're struggling. And so what we did is we created this department recently called Advisory Services, where we can offer additional supplemental services to help customers, whether they're struggling or just want more out of the product, and we can work side by side with their CSM and then offer additional support where needed if if desired. Does this go beyond Service Titan's capabilities, its feature set? Like, do we go into other types of support? It can. So there is a future where this could continue to develop out into more of a consulting service. Uh, Right now, we're starting with the area of lowest hanging fruit, and there might be some things, for example, like an inventory implementation a contractor doesn't know where to start or, or doesn't have an inventory tracking system yet and just wants to know from an industry background, what questions should I be asking? And so our team essentially helps them know what questions to ask, helps look around corners and, and figure out which direction they, they might, might need to head. So let me ask you this. Out of all of the ways that you've helped contractors succeed in various ways within the trades, what is your favorite topic to cover? I don't know if this is a leading question, but I really do love the numbers. I I really do love the data reporting. You know, I I, I have joked about it before, but it's it's true. Like after work, I would come home and just run reports to see what fields were available, what data points were available. And, And I just liked the exposure because... I always felt there was something more we could be doing to improve our our customers' lives. There's something more we could be doing to improve our employees' lives. And so if I could figure out something that brought value to a customer or an employee, then I wanted to implement it. And so I was always seeking ways to do that. So I'd say data and and reporting are, are very important in my life. You know, that kind of was a leading question, and I was like 90% sure you were going to say data and reporting, but I wanted to ask just to make sure. I didn't want to assume. So just to make sure we're all on the same page, how do you define data and how can it be used in the trades? Good question, because I think data can mean a lot of different things. I think the way I think about it is information, and then specifically for this conversation, I'd say numbers. I mean, that's pretty, pretty generic, pretty maybe vague, but... Everything we do in contracting, almost everything has numbers behind it. And then I'll caveat that with, it's hard to measure things like culture or employee sentiment, or there's, there's some areas where, you know, you can get some proxy indicators or, or measure it in other ways. But for the sake of this conversation, I would say data is, is numbers and, and information. Got it. And so where do you use data? Oh man, <laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> I can make this a series if you would like, Tyson. 
I love this. I'll try to keep it simple and succinct for, for this, but for, for data, I think of it in, in all aspects. For example, when I'm looking to hire a new employee, you have your recruiting pipeline. How many candidates do I have? What are their qualifications? What's the average tenure? What's the cost to train someone on our, on our, our company? I'm speaking from a contractor's lens here is there is cost associated with that. How long are they going to have to ride with another technician? Or are they already an experienced technician that can jump in sooner? How long does it take to train them on, on our ways? So there's data on the recruiting side. There's data on the payroll side. You're looking at commissions and what commissions motivate employees. And, and then you've got data on, um, I mean, going to the bank to ask for loans. You know, you have to prove your story to them about the, the value of the company and how you can repay and and there's, there's data, I'd say, in every aspect of, of the company. I love that you just chose the example of recruiting and commission, because obviously commission, you know, we think about average ticket, we think about revenue. Those are common data points, KPIs that contractors easily refer to. But I don't think when they think of data, the first answer that comes to mind is recruiting. That's really interesting. And we haven't talked about that in, on the podcast before. So I might want to circle back to that just as a heads up. So a more broader, even possibly more vague question is why does all of this matter? Why does data matter? Such a good question. That's a pretty deep question. But I would say, why does data matter? If we look at any company, most, I'll venture to say most companies have a goal or goals that they're striving towards. Those goals can vary widely. Some companies want to grow their top line revenue. Some may want to just grow profitability. Some may want to sell. Some may want to give it to their inheritance to a, a child or, or someone else. So I think all of those are different goals, but they are all a goal. And so why data matters is how are you going to measure that goal? How are you going to know if you've been successful? If you don't put measurement to it, then you're always just going to be moving in a direction and you don't know if you're you know, doing anything worthwhile or not. And so I think why data is to get back to the why of your business. Why am I doing what I'm doing and how can I do that better? Are, are there ways to optimize and deliver a better X experience or whatever my goal is? That's actually a very beautiful answer to data. I, I thought that was, I really commend you for having such a beautiful, succinct response to that question. So you've worked with some of the best contractors in the industry, like Gettle, Horizon Services. I would love to know, without revealing too many trade secrets, pun intended, how do they use data and what does that look like for them? Sure. Yeah, I won't, I won't use any contractors by name, but in working with a number of contractors, what you notice is they a lot of them are innovative, forward-thinking, try to uh, create data points where they haven't existed in the past or just bring in new correlations that may or may not have existed in the past. And I, I think of our, our trades that we service, and a lot of it is weather dependent. So are there values that we can bring in from weather or wind speed or you know, a couple examples that come to mind, Jackie, are it's not always just about what's the high and what's the low. Sometimes it's, is there a high above 100 degrees for five days in a row or 10 days in a row? Or, you know, is it going from 100 degrees to 70 degrees over a short period of time, which is going to increase wind and dust? And, you know, I think there's a lot more that can be mined. And so these larger, more sophisticated companies might be looking for those correlations that that aren't top of mind or, or not a lot of people know about. Maybe there's other metrics that they could pull in from third-party sources to help educate and inform their decision-making and their staffing. And, and so I, I, do, I do see the data-heavy companies are looking for data to compile. 
But then also internally, if we look more just at whether it's service titan data, um, accounting data, these companies are looking for consistencies. They're looking for anomalies. They're looking if they're going to expand and acquire more branches or open up new areas, they want some sort of standardization. And how do you measure standardization, but with variance and consistency and accuracy? And so identifying maybe an outlier, like I've got 100 technicians and there's three of them, this lower 3% is performing X much out of range. Let's look into that and figure out what is it. Or maybe you see greater consistencies. Maybe there's 60 or 70% of technicians doing or not doing some action or outcome. And then you can dive in and, and drill into those behaviors and see what's causing the underlying, I don't know, the underlying cause of what's causing those behaviors. I also want to say, you don't have to be super granular. You know, data can be overwhelming. We just said data is information and numbers, and there's a lot of information, a lot of numbers. You don't have to be a math whiz. What I think is important is to start somewhere. You can start simply, and then you can drill down and to the level of your comfort. And I think that's what's important is go at your pace and, and do what you know. You can always get better. You can always improve, but don't let the overwhelming idea of so much data stop you from even starting. Well, it's a perfect answer to my next question, but before we even get to that, there are contractors out there that are collecting weather data. Is that Did I hear that correctly? Yeah. All right. So I can imagine if I am in a hot deserty area, I'm tracking weather trends and seeing I had 10, 100 degree days in a row. This is how many calls I, uh, I ran on average those days. Therefore, I should I should plan to have X amount of technicians if I want to grow by X amount in next year. Like that, all of that sounds equally so cool, but equally so mind boggling at the same time. Like my dumb human brain can't process all of that information. It's interesting to think about because you can't control the weather, but you can respond to it. And just like our weather, the weathermen or weather women on the TV are giving you the forecast and they're telling you what's coming and, and beyond just temperatures, they're also telling when storms are coming and they're reading weather patterns. That's what we can do with our businesses too. And we can say, if we're going to see the 10 days in a row of 100 degree weather, what are we doing about that? Am I clearing my schedule because I know we're going to start getting more demand calls? Or do I see it, it spiking at 100 degrees and then dropping back down? I may not clear my schedule for that. So as I start to understand the data, I can then understand what, what, how I need to respond to that data if that makes any sense. That's going to be a key to all of this. You could look at all the data and all the numbers in the world. If you don't do anything in response to it, does, what, what benefit does it give you? I just thought of such a good tangent question based on that, and I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to give you permission to say that's a big topic and we should cover it another time. But right now we're speaking about I feel like in our conversation the last few minutes, we've talked about the individual with data. So the owner, the operator, someone in the, the, the C-suite, the leadership team who's really interpreting the data. From your perspective, right? So in the example of the 100-degree day, we know we have to clear the boards. We know we have to clear up our schedules. How do you take that data insight and then transmit it down the company so this way you know your dispatchers your your csrs your technicians know like the reason we're doing this is because of that do you have any immediate thoughts on also empowering employees with data uh, absolutely so i do think it's important that the employees think like the owner in, in a lot of aspects there's probably some aspects i'm not thinking of where that's not true but in your if you're meeting daily or weekly or monthly with your teams 
they need to see why you make the decisions you make so they can start to think that same way. And so they can start to look at the weather patterns and they can start to understand, hey, my schedule is going to open up or my schedule is going to get really tight. Maybe I'm setting proper expectations with my family. I mean, maybe I'm setting proper expectations with my, my children's coaching activities or whatever it is. I do think it's beneficial for them to think through that by hearing you talk about it. And then also, it's a responsibility of owners and managers to talk about it and be transparent. Because if I'm just delivering orders saying, hey, dispatchers, I need you to clear the board next week. I mean, that could get old. And like, gosh, you're all, you just told me to fill it up and now you're telling me to clear it. I think if, as they start to understand, they're going to start bringing to you, hey, I see these days are coming up. Or I mean, we're just talking about heat waves right now, but there, there's a lot of other applications. There might be icy weather conditions. There might be frozen pipes. There could be a number of things. But if they can bring that to you or, or better yet, not even bring it to you and just act on it, you're right. That's when, when real lasting change starts to happen. That's cool. Thank you for answering that tangent of mine. I know that I, as an employee of a company that is very data-driven, it can seem really intimidating at first when you get a bunch of acronyms thrown at you and you get a bunch of percentages thrown at you, but the more you expose yourself to it, the more informed you feel. And I think also the more secure you kind of feel at the company, right? The more you understand how it works and where your paycheck comes from, the more you're incentivized to work harder and the more you feel secure at the company. Do you agree with that? 100%. Yeah. In fact, I think I might even take it to the extreme. I think the employees need to understand the financial statement to some degree. They need to understand the big markers that we're tracking. If revenue is something we set a company goal on, how do they know if they're hitting it or not? How do we know if we're hitting it or not as a company? That needs to be brought up in monthly meetings, weekly meetings, and daily meetings so that every contributor knows how they're contributing to that. And everyone in the business contributes to it somehow. So like a technician is actually completing work. That's that's super helpful because that directly adds revenue to your top line. But how does a dispatcher add revenue to the top line? Well, if they can squeeze in an extra call or if they can rearrange the schedule to get that $3,000 compressor installed, I mean, that's actually contributing to revenue as well. And they need to understand that. They need to know that all of their actions do help the company hit their goals. That's awesome. So, all right, backing up a bit to the main part of this conversation, which is demystifying data. We're talking a lot about big concepts, big ways to implement data can seem very overwhelming for some, especially if they're not already used to tracking some key KPIs that have to do with growing a service business. So where should everyday contractors even start, even begin to start with data? And you started answering this before, so maybe you can expand on that a bit. Yeah, so before I was saying, start simple, start high level, and then drill in. So what does that mean? The way I think through this is every day we run into experiences, we as contractors, where maybe I start selling more jobs, or maybe my material costs are increasing, and maybe I need to buy, buy, <laughs> maybe I need to hire a service manager or dispatch manager, you know, name the position. But what's actually happening in those cases, and where do we look at the impact of those daily or common occurrences? So to park that for a minute, I want to step back and I want to think about the income statement. I think it's super important if you're going to start anywhere, start here. And start focus on the, the five metrics of the income statement. And these are very generic. We're not going to go very deep into these. And so just you know, bear with me as I, as I go through this. But you've, at the top level, you've got your revenue. And then you've got your cost of sale, which will then give you your gross, gross profit percentage. And then you have your overhead. 
and your net profit percentage. So those are the five that I'm going to focus on for the sake of this conversation. And back to your tangent question earlier, I think it's super important that employees of a company understand these as well. And, and I'll get back to that in a little bit. If I don't, please remind me. And so when I think about my company's goals, like we talked about earlier, everyone has different goals, but maybe I have a goal of growing my revenue or I have a goal of growing my profitability or, or something along those lines. I think those are pretty common goals. I need to understand what are those five metrics of my income statement have to do with it? So I want to grow my revenue. Great. What does that mean? And so understanding how the five work together, because they're all interconnected, you can't change one without changing the other. Before we even put specifics to it, I want to understand what happens to my net profit in the case where I start selling more jobs, or what happens to my net profit in the case where my materials start increasing, even though I'm selling the same amount of jobs. And so let's say in the case of the, where I'm selling more jobs at the same price and the same cost, I just happen to do higher volume, my revenue increases because I'm selling more, my cost of goods sold increase, but it's proportional to the revenue, which means my gross profit percentage stays the same, but my overhead doesn't change because those are my fixed expenses. So even though I'm selling more, I'm still paying the same overhead, which means my net profit or my net income increases. And so... I'm mixing up those words again, bear with me on the simplicity of the idea, but I'm selling more and I'm not changing anything else, my net profit increases. Now let's look at the example where I'm not selling more, but my material costs are increasing. I don't change pricing, I don't change anything, I don't change my overhead. Now my gross profit percentage goes down because revenue is fixed, cogs increase, the gross profit goes down, overhead is fixed, my net profit's gonna go down as well. I mean, I can't just, magically get net profit when I'm when money is being absorbed by my cogs. And so I think it's important to understand that because driving action is now I can either increase my price or I can negotiate a different material cost or maybe I reduce my overhead to compensate for some of the other increases that I'm getting. Like the example of a service manager or a dispatch manager, that in most cases is going into my overhead. So if I don't change anything but I just hire a dispatch manager, well, that's going to increase my overhead. My revenue is not changing. My gross profit's not changing. Overhead is absorbing more, and so my net profit is going to decrease. And so if I'm thinking about this in the way of I'm trying to optimize for profitability, for example, and I perform actions that decrease my profitability, then I need to change that behavior by making it up somewhere else. So in the case where I hire a new service manager and profitability goes down, I need to make that up. In, in my pricing or in selling more or reducing my material costs to then balance it out and justify it. And so I think it's important to think about these things as levers and what levers can I pull for the optimal outcomes. And pricing, if I increase my pricing, well, I don't have to, like the materials don't necessarily cost me more for that job, but I can make more money on it and more of that can funnel down to my bottom line. On overhead, I don't want to just reduce my overhead as low as it can. I want to think about it in terms of investment. So one could say, hey, my service manager costs me X thousand dollars per year, therefore I should cut it out. Well, what's the value of that position? Are they in improving your average ticket? Are they improving your, your recalls cause? And are they giving you more opportunity to, to sell more jobs? A dispatch manager, how do they give back and where's their value in the company? Can they find more efficient tracks and more efficient ways to measure their dispatchers? And a call center manager, maybe can we answer more calls? Can we book more calls? And so I, I like thinking of 
of those things as investments, not just a, a cost that I need to get rid of, you know, something along those lines. The other thing is with air conditioning and, and heating equipment, we haven't figured out a way to heat or cool a home without that equipment yet, without thousands of dollars of equipment. So there's always going to be cost of goods sold. Well, I guess in some regions you can open the window. That's a pretty inexpensive way of doing it. But I'm, I'm talking about in generally when you need to cool or heat a home, that you need those things and they cost money. Plumbing. I mean, we haven't figured out yet how to transfer water without pipes or, you know, there's some, there's technology improvements hopefully coming down the road, but still you need pipes, pipes freeze. There's a need for, for plumbing and, and you could do that with all these other industries. The, the point of that is though, what are my goals? How can I numerically quantify them? And then what actions, what control do I have over all those things? I got a lot more on this, but I wanted to pause there and see if you had any questions before I go into the next part. Oh my goodness. No, I just want to recap some of those things that really stuck out to me. One, I mean, come on, let's make a shirt that says I'm not a cost, I'm an investment for all the dispatch and service managers out there. Two, I love the idea of looking at those five key numbers from the income statement and looking at them as levers. I'm not a numbers person. I'm a very, I don't know which brain it is, but a very visual, very creative person. And the way you just described it was very understandable to me. I just really love it. I think that's great. And also I was curious, I kept wanting to make a joke about whether or not you're investing in some sort of magic startup that can magically cool houses or whatever, or uh, get rid of wastewater in the home. But I digress because I know you've got some great content right after that. So those are my, those are my highlights there. Awesome. And, and feel free to cut me off. Like if we're going way too long, like I said, I could go on, on for a long time about this. But I don't want to leave it too high level. I think that's an important understanding. But where do you go from there? Maybe a lot of the contractors listening already know this and they're thinking, okay, well, what else can I do about that? So take it to the next level, turn it up a notch a little bit. And I start now thinking backwards because if I had a world where all of my revenue could go to my profit, I mean, that's a, like an ideal business model. <laughs> there's, there's no expenses. It's just pure profit. So we're not, we're not there yet in, in contracting because of the reasons I stated but how can I minimize the friction of that income and help it get down to the, the profit? And so to do that, I want to think about it in each step and then also think backwards a little bit. So in order to have that revenue on your income statement, you had to have completed some work, right? In order to have that work, you had to have proposed the work. In order to propose that work, you had to have the opportunity. In order to have the opportunity, like it all works backwards. You had to have the phone ring or an inbound text message or some sort of lead that came from marketing. And, and it's, it's a cycle. It keeps going. But with each of those data points, all of that just leads up to revenue. And so with each of those, I want to start thinking, let's just assume for a second to try to keep this a little simple, is let's assume my call volume stays the same. It doesn't increase, which is another opportunity for upside. Call volume stays the same. Can I book more of those calls? Can I increase my booking rate maybe? Of the ones that I book, can I schedule them to be done sooner so I'm reducing my number of canceled jobs? Or can I schedule the right technician so he gets it done the first time versus having to come back? Of the jobs I do go to, are my technicians providing the proper number of estimates? Are they providing the proper proposal quality to close these deals and to turn them into sold work? Once I've sold the work, how quickly am I getting it done? Am I able to do it same day? Am I able to do it within a reasonable amount of time? I know with, with supply chain, there are some delays, but how am I tracking those? Am I forgetting to follow up when a part comes in? All of those are friction points. And the, you already paid for the call. The phone already rang. I have control over a lot of the other areas. 
you're, you're never going to have a hundred percent booking rate. I know stuff happens. Like none of these things are going to be perfect, but can I improve each of these? Absolutely. And the more dispatchers, call center technician, the more people I have, the more training I need to standardize and improve and, and raise the bar and, and bring everyone up, everyone up to that level. And that's just for revenue that we're talking about. We haven't even talked about like collecting after the work has been done for cash flows and accounts receivable. But the point is there's that next level of what gets you to that number. Does that make sense, Jackie? No, it definitely does. And as you know, your standard creative person living in Los Angeles who didn't think she'd end up in the trades, this is a very great breakdown as to how, how it works. And I really appreciate that. I want to make sure you didn't forget about wanting to circling this all back to having data-informed employees. So is there any point there you wanted to make? Thank you. Great partnership going here. <laughs> yes. So if my goal is profitability, a, like, I think it's important to understand why that's the goal, but then B, to get people rallied behind that goal. I don't want to be an employee that's just trying to make my boss richer and richer if it's at my expense. But if it's making the company more profitable, the company shares that somehow via spiffs or commissions or culture, environment, whatever the, the case is, that may motivate and, and drive me. And so in those friction points that we talked about, booking calls, selling estimates, tracking whether or not a part has been installed yet after it was sold. If each employee understands the end goal and how all the levers tie into each other, they will also be singularly motivated to accomplish those things. So they're going to squeeze in that compressor like we talked about. They're going to try to book that next job. They're going to try to get the right technician there to the right person at the right time. And they're going to be trying to work uniformly to the same end goal because they understand the goals. And again, if, there, if there's any disconnect, if they think what I'm doing is just making Jackie a lot richer and I'm just working my tail off to no avail, that's not going to motivate me to do it. Maybe it does for some, some people. I just, I don't think that's the majority of people. I don't think that's the majority of people either, Tyson. That's a really great breakdown. I'm glad we found that employee level tangent there. So again, beautiful breakdown in terms of data and just working backwards and thinking about all the little things that add up to those final numbers, right? I just think it's a beautiful example. So I'm going to keep complimenting you on that. And while I do, well, instead of just complimenting you nonstop, I'm going to ask if you could tell me a little bit about, you know, maybe uh, give me a story about a contractor you recently worked with who got a ton of value from leveraging data. Sure. Sure. Two examples. One of them was, was a personal example from when I was at, at Lee's there when the light bulb kind of clicked for me. And it was, we were looking at a marketing campaign report in Service Titan and Prior to that, to give some context, and, and I think a lot of people could relate to this, is when we used to, a long time ago, market through like Yellow Pages and, and market through these other traditional, I guess I won't share too many other specific names, but you used to pick different marketing sources and campaigns and you would pay them money and then they would report to you how many calls they think you got from that. In some cases, they could even track and tell you how many calls you got from it. And then you would try to deduce how much revenue came in from that based on your averages and your, the metrics of your company. Well, that's a little bit quite misleading because you're trying to apply these general averages and assumptions to one input. And so what, what Service Titan allowed us to do by putting tracking numbers on every one of our campaigns is not just track a call volume and then apply our generic booking rates and average tickets to that, but we were actually able to track down to the penny of how much revenue came from each campaign. And that might sound like a no-brainer to some people. It was game-changing for us because we found, we compared two, two marketing campaigns. One of them 
had a high number of calls and it had literally like $300 in revenue. I forget the exact numbers, but it was a ton of calls, $300 in revenue. And the campaign itself cost us a lot more than $300. There was a second campaign that had very low call volume, but it had high revenue associated with it. High booking rates, high conversion rates, high average tickets. And so for us, the light bulb went off and said, not all calls are created equal. I mean, maybe this one campaign was generating the phone to ring, but it was maybe based on poor expectations and customers were calling the wrong number or hanging up. And, and so we actually allocated the money spent on that campaign onto this other one that didn't ring the phone as much, but every time it did ring, it was a valuable call. And we saw so much better ROI and outcomes. And so that was a very tangible example for, for me in my real life where I saw the power of data. Now there's another one that's a little less directly uh, applied to Service Titan, but there was a company that we were working with that had a, a process, large company, and this was a process where whenever it, an install was sold, it would be printed out and they would walk, walk it over to the office and they would share it with the install coordinator and they would go through their process. And in identifying the workflows and through a lean management training, we found that the recipient of those papers actually thought the deliverer of those papers was doing it because they, they, that was their job, but they were both doing it and they didn't need to do it. So the point was there was over a hundred thousand sheets of paper per year delivered between these two individuals when they could both be referencing the same job in Service Titan with no exchange of papers, but they just thought the other person needed it. And so as you start to look into that, now you realize you save the time walking between offices, you save the time on printer paper, printers, ink. I mean, those things may sound inconsequential, but it really does add up to larger outcomes. Also a low-key shout out to review your processes. <laughs> Wait, you don't need this piece of paper? No, I thought you just did it because you had to do it. No, I was doing it for you. You don't need it. No, I don't need it. Oh my goodness. That's really funny. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> exactly. I was about to say the exact same thing. Happens to the best of us. So I think I know the answer to this question, but please entertain me. Is leveraging data an option if you want to stay competitive in 2022 and beyond? Is it an option? Technically, I would say guessing can only get you so far. And if you keep guessing right, maybe you're luckier than most, but data is what's going to take the guesswork out of it. Data is what's going to give you the leverage over your competitors, um, over yourself. Like maybe you're your own limitation, but the exposure and understanding of data is really going to help you drive the right behavior. So I would say the answer to your question is technically, but you should really leverage data. <laughs> I mean, I know this whole conversation is about data, but the other option is guessing. Imagine if the answer, if you answer that, like, no, nah, it's not, it, no, totally optional. <laughs> totally. But that's how Warren Buffett does his business, right? It's just guessing. Great analogy. Yeah. He's guessed very well. <laughs> so I would love to learn a little bit about how in your current role you use data. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I, I mentioned our, this role is fairly new, but so I want to take an example from my, my previous role of running the success department. One of the things I, pieces of data I love looking at, and you know me, I love data, was Titan Advisor. And so with Titan Advisor, what we can do is look across all of our customers and see objectively how well they're using the product. I mean, it's, it's not perfect, but it's, it's pretty close. You can see not just what's set up, but how well am I using it? How often am I using it? And there's different scores within it. And so the reason that was important is not just because like, hey, use more of our product. I mean, that's, that's like the tip of the iceberg. 
The rest of it is we've worked with our the data science team and the reporting teams at Service Titan to find correlations and to find why does this even matter? And what we found is the top quartile of Titan Advisor adopters actually have higher year-over-year revenue growth than the rest of companies. And I, I don't want to sound surprised by, by hearing that, but I'm grateful because it's some validation that the more you use the product and the, the features as they're intended to be used, the more outcomes it, it drives. And so Service Titan wants to take those in a feedback loop. We want to take the features that are working well and create more of them or make it easier to use. If there's features that we're adding and it's not helping a business or it's hurting a business, we take that very seriously. Our, our success is our contractor's success. And if they're not successful, I mean, we need to, to cut that off at the, at the base and, and focus on something else. So I'd say that's Titan Advisor was a huge one that we looked at consistently. I love that you brought up Titan Advisor because it's such a cool tool that a lot of our customers use to make sure they're getting the most out of their service Titan investment. And it's actually a really great mo- roadmap if you get service Titan, which is such this giant piece of software and you're like, where do I even start? It really gives you a nice roadmap of, okay, you've set up this, now it's time to go to this. So thank you for shouting that out. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to add on to that real quick for maybe some legacy customers, and a lot of people might know this, is we used to just have Titan score, which was a, it was a one to 100 scale about how well I'm using it. And then we would release new features and your score would drop. And I hated it when our score dropped because then we always have to try to claw back and get back up. The new Titan advisor is meant to be more of like an open-ended at the end. So you could have scores in the hundreds, 200s, 250, and it's just showing you like how well you're, you're um, behaving compared to other similar contractors like you. And there's a, there's a percentile you can see in your account. And I, I bring that up to say Titan, Service Titan is continuing to improve and continuing to take the feedback. And we realized the one to 100 scale was not as beneficial or you couldn't find as many correlations with actual business outcomes. And so we changed it and we modified it, we enhanced it. And now we separated it out between there's benchmarks that are set up and utilization and you've got green, yellow, red, and it's really powerful if you can harness that. And we try to make it simple where it just, I know this is a bit of a tangent, but it'll recommend to you what are the top four things you need to be focusing on now to increase that score. And I try not to think of it as just increasing the score for the sake of you know, being like gamer number one on the high score list, but it's also how can I improve my business? Like I talked to you about going to those trade shows and going to the conventions and asking other people how they do things. We're able to serve that on a platter and take that data and share it back. Nice. Thank you for that added explanation on Titan Advisor and the history of Titan Score turned Titan Advisor. It's always good, I think, to make that highlight because some people don't know. But speaking of, I promised some members of our team that we would cover some of the ways that Service Titan is using data today, because we're actually using it, I think, in some pretty neat ways. So is there anything that you particularly want to shout out in terms of how you know Service Titan is using data today? Yeah, there's a couple things, Jackie. One of them is like you, you, you maybe have heard about like Smart Dispatch or Schedule Assistant and using AI technology to compile data, compute it really quickly, and then make recommendations, smart recommendations as to who may be the best technician to send to a job at a given time. There's also, if you have like the Pricebook Pro module, you can get regionalized pricing and it's going to show from your area, here's the latest pricing that we have, kind of some averages that help inform what I should be charging for my my products. Obviously, it's not going to be specific to each and every shop, but the goal is to deliver a lot of value quickly. We have our, our contractor playbook. We have 
some other blogs that, that we have shared out about, you might've seen the recent one about dispatch fees. I think it's really cool where we can take a lot of data, we can anonymize it and then share it out and say, here's what our data science finds. And here's the correlations based on the, the millions of transactions that, that go through our product and sharing those findings back with, with contractors so that, again, you can make decisions from those, those findings. Yeah, I've heard some really cool things about Smart Dispatch, and I have to say, I think it's really cool to work for a company that does that kind of stuff. And the pricing insights pieces have been huge. I'll link that to the show notes of this podcast, but we did some great data pieces on average dispatch fees that I think a lot of folks will find helpful. And I would be remiss if we didn't shout out that we're also doing some really cool improvements to Marketing Pro Ads, which is a new feature, and also uh, Payroll Pro, all using data and all using the information that here at Service Titan we have because we have access to so many customers, we're able to inform how our product moves forward, which I think is pretty darn cool. So this has been an awesome conversation, Tyson. I have a few more questions for you, but before we get to them, I wanna give you the opportunity to let you geek out on anything we haven't covered yet. So there's any like data piece in there that you're just like, oh man, I wish Jackie asked me about this. Now's your chance to really talk about something. Jackie, I need more people like you in my life that give me permission to geek out. Oh, this is this is like the highlight of my year right now. So no, I it's a short year. You know, we're only in March, so hopefully uh, someone else will beat this. Yeah, and, and I'm really glad I didn't have any kids born this year because that, that could have bit me in the butt. So I won't go too far into it, but one of the things I can geek out on a lot is net profit pricing. You know, above we were talking about gross profits, we're talking about revenue, we're talking about overhead. Uh, net profit. And I think a lot of it comes down to knowing how to price and knowing what to charge. Like, yes, I know my material costs and, and yes, I should know what my overhead is and as a percent of revenue and how much has to be covered in order to break even. And then I can literally set and control what my target net profit is and then come up with and generate my revenues and my, my prices from that. And I think it's so important. That's something I love geeking out about is just knowing the numbers because, for example, if I'm just pricing based on gross profit with some markup, I'm not actually accounting for the hours and, and the labor spent to cover the overhead for that day. And so the high-level teaser, the finding, is that for labor-intensive jobs, I actually lose money or, or make less money than the jobs that are maybe material-intensive. And so if it's material-intensive, I'm spending less time on the job, I can mark up those materials, and the couple minutes or an hour, whatever that I'm spending on that job is covering my overhead for that day. And so when I, when I spend more time on a job, it's most contractors don't have an understanding of that and their overhead isn't being covered ad adequately. So that's something I love geeking out about and talking about. And I would say one way to check that is, is job costing. So if I can look at my jobs and get a good idea of not just what I'm spending on labor and materials, but take that labor, how many hours I spent on it, multiplied by my hourly overhead burden, it can give you some pretty powerful insights. That's awesome. So glad I asked that question. All right. If you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of career advice, what would it be? Good question. I would say that it's okay to change your goals. When I first started and for the longest time, I wanted to be an architect. And I was going to school for architecture. I, was, I learned AutoCAD. I was doing all that. And I realized my heart wasn't in it. And I realized I loved the numbers, believe it or not, that may come as a surprise. And so I shifted to engineering where I could do more calculus and calculations and physics and make the, what, what the architects designed, make it stand, you know, that sort of thing. And what's interesting, Jackie, is all of those changes along the way 
helped me to where I am today and make me who I am today. The reason I got that job in the trades with Tom Howard was because I knew AutoCAD, which I had learned in architecture school. So even though I'm not being an architect anymore, I was able to design duct systems and do load calculations because of my architecture and engineering background. So I would say it's, it's okay to change your goals. Just go all in for whatever your current goal is. I love that. That's a beautiful response to that. Okay, final question. My favorite question of this season. If you could choose a song to be the soundtrack of your life, what would it be? Okay, I'm going to disclose. I knew this question was coming beforehand, and I looked it up. The, my answer is Linkin Park's One Step Closer, because <laughs> when I had kids, I, I listened to the song in a very different way. For example, some of the lyrics are, I cannot take this anymore. I'm saying everything I've said before. All these words, they make no sense. I found bliss and ignorance. The less I hear, the less you'll say. Like, it's just, I think of my children and I think about saying the same things over and over and over and they're just not listening. And then just the best part of the song where it yells, shut up when I'm talking to you. I mean, it's just, it's so liberating and it feels like that's my soundtrack. All right. Every answer to this question has been beautiful on this season. I love that response so much. And also knowing you, Tyson, you have such a friendly face and a demeanor. I can only imagine how like you are like this at home with your children too. So I would just love an image of your children just like going nuts around you. And then someone zooms into your mind and they hear Chester from Lincoln Park just belting out those lyrics. And you're like, calm down, in, out. <laughs> that is awesome. Tyson, I had such a great time chatting with you today on Toolbox for the Trades. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll hope, I hope you'll come back one day. Sounds great, Jackie. Appreciate everything you're doing. I had a blast. Are you looking to build a top tier service company? Service Titans Contractor Playbook is a handy guide to help you get where you want to go. Authored by the industry's greatest minds, this free all-in-one playbook will help you set your company up for success. Learn how to provide excellent customer service establish your company's culture, market to new and existing customers, and more. Just go to servicetitan.com slash get playbook to access the free digital guide. That's servicetitan.com slash get playbook. Thank you so much for listening to Toolbox for the Trades. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcast, we'd love if you open the app and leave us a rating. Just tap the number of stars you think the show deserves. See you next time. Ever wonder how much your business is worth? So many owners ask that question and have no idea where to turn for an answer. In just a few clicks, Service Titan's new Service Business Valuation Calculator can give you an easy and free estimate of the current value of your business. Whether you're thinking about selling your company or looking to track growth, check it out now. Visit servicetitan.com value. Again, that's servicetitan.com value. See how much your business is worth today. Want to network with fellow service entrepreneurs and former guests of this podcast? Join our private Facebook group, Toolbox for the Trades, to get immediate access to the best tips, tricks, and tactics from fellow service entrepreneurs. Visit facebook.com slash group slash toolbox for the trades, or click the link in our show notes to join. See you online. Thanks so much for listening to Toolbox for the Trades. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. 
If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love if you open the app and leave us a rating. Just tap the number of stars you think the show deserves. See you next time.